0: Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. We're starting a series called The Power of Love, and tonight I want to talk about unreasonable love. You know, all this year we, we started by talking into the fact that, you know, through all the trials and the difficulties and the storms and the things that are before us, I still think there's no better time which we have to be able to set ourselves outwards to be thinking about the world that is in such need that it feels like there's another storm on the horizon right now yeah with just the amount of people getting sick again all the stuff that's going on and just the dramas and all of that but I can't help but think we're just closer to a breakout of God's love and power amongst us in community than ever before. I just think we're, we're ready for it, we're ripe for it, and I'm, I'm hungry for it. Are you hungry for it? To see God be, be displayed in power and demonstrated his love amongst the people that, that in a world that really, really need to know him. And we've been talking about what it is to be able to set sail into these uncharted waters, into places that are beyond the four walls of the church in a way that is not the way we've been before, but setting into these uncharted waters to be able to take the love of Christ out and to meet the needs of our local. Community to be able to pastor the city of Brisbane and and release revivalists to the nations. And it excites me to think that God has a way for that to become reality. And uh, I just really want uh, to just to, to set sail to just hoist that sail again uh, and to be motivated as I think about setting sail and out I just think about we need to be motivated with the love of God I love this picture it was one of the ones that we had right up beginning of our, our series in our vision series when we we're talking about love and we're out on that boat and we're talking about setting the sail in the wind of his spirit and I love it because it's got a sneaky little logo in there for the sail company I did not even know what that's called but it's got a crown there and I'm thinking hello thank you Jesus we're setting sail and we're hoisting it under the, the influence of his spirit that's leading us and taking us. We're under the reign of the king of kings. We're under a new new way in which he's leading us and guiding us and taking us out. And I, I just think that's a pretty cool little picture that would demonstrate that for us. It says it all. We're, We're under his power and the leading of his spirit. We are not a vessel that is self-powered. We're we're not a cruise liner. We're not a a motored ship or vehicle. You know, we are like a sailing vessel. We are uh, at the beck and call of our king, and it's his wind that gets into our sails and takes us to these places that we've been before. But I couldn't help but think that in all of that, are we really ready? Are we really ready for, for God to maybe take us to, to places where um, it's a little bit different? Because the Bible continually just tells you the whole way through. Uh, and we're going to touch on lots of different scriptures uh, through this series over the next six weeks. But, uh, you know, you're going to hear the constant theme coming through from things like Mark 12, chapter uh, verses 30 and 31, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, or with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and the second is like this love your neighbor as you love yourself you can read again in john 13 34 to 35 a new commandment i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another uh, you're picking up the theme <laughs> these commands Uh, give us insight to how we're to go into the world around us, how we're to sail into these uncharted waters, how we're to live with our hearts looking to to love God and be motivated and find the motivation in which to love others because we've understood, experienced the love of God into our own lives and hearts, and we desperately see the people around us that have a, a love gap in their life, and it's to know Jesus Can you imagine the radical difference that we would make if we were truly serious about God's charge? Can you imagine uh, that people really would see not only a difference in us because we would love one another. It's a good thing. We should be able to get on as brothers and sisters, yeah? We should be able to get on. I'm looking forward to the day when my boys are actually old enough to demonstrate love to one another right now they fight with each other more than love each other i long for the day when they're friends you know when they love each other and it's demonstrated but we're we're mature in Jesus we should be able to do that right but the world's going to see that there's a difference when we're like that but there needs to be a love for the world as well there needs to be a love for those who are in the world not just for one another, we're never called to be this holy enclave, you know, this, this little set apart group that hangs together all of the time. We're set apart so we might come in, so that we might go out. And as we go out, we go out demonstrating this love and it makes a difference in the lives of the people in whom we minister to. Can you imagine, not only that they would see love, but that we would provide the great solution for the pain and the guilt and the struggle that they go through in life, to provide them with the remedy of being Separated from God's eternal love forever, friends, family, schoolmates, co workers, teammates, all coming to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus because we obeyed God's first command to love Him and love others. Can you imagine? For God so loved the world. The bottom line is this that lost people, or people, just people, they matter to God. They matter to him. That's why he sent his son. I mean, that's why we do this. Why, in remembrance of him. Why? Because we need to remember how much we've been forgiven. We need to remember how much grace has been extended to us. We need to remember how loved we are by him so that when we go into the world, we see people with a different set of glasses on. We can see them as he sees them, full of the same love and grace and mercy for them as he had for you, as he has for me. It got me to thinking, are we ready to love people who are maybe a little bit different as we go into these uncharted waters? If we think outside of the four walls of this church, as we think about going ways we've never gone before and reaching people we've re- never reached before with the good news of the gospel, as we go to those places, are we ready to love people who are so different? I'll tell you, they're going to be different. But you already know that because you work with them. You go to school with them. They're your neighbors. They're around you. You know they're different. Do they know you're different? About 10 years ago, we had a guy come to church. His name was Johnny. You could tell that Johnny hadn't frequented church very much in his life. And by the time he came to us in his early 40s, I think he probably was at that time, you could tell that he'd been different. Johnny had a lot of tats and I hear you saying so. I see a lot of people at church with tats. Every barista I live ever no one has a tat. No, Johnny's tats were a bit different. Johnny had teardrop tats coming down from his eyes. Johnny had homemade tattoos on his knuckles. And as we got to know and love and journey and walk with Johnny, we realized that Johnny spent most of his life in prison. He'd spent most of his life in prison because of his association with outlaw motorcycle gangs. And when he came to us in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the waist down, it was because of that same association he'd had with those gangs who beat him up, threw him off a cliff and left him for dead until someone found him and told him about Jesus. And he came to our church wanting to know more. All of us know a Johnny... The sort of person you think would never fit in a church. Ever made the mistake of going, gee, they'd make a good Christian? You ever done that? I've done that. Ah, they've got it all together. Just, you know, such a nice person already. Just need to get them over the line. Makes such a good Christian. What makes a good Christian? It's Jesus, right? Jesus who makes us, we're his disciples, Right? he makes make just as good a Christian out of the Johnnies of the world than anyone else, but it's us who have a, a filter of whether people are going to make a good Christian or not. Are they actually ever going to be received? And that probably is the challenge to us. Because God's love to people like Johnny needs to be demonstrated through people like us. Someone in your life, if you think about them, Someone you might find too easy to judge, someone that you find difficult, maybe even scary to love. Take a moment, picture them now. It may be the stereotypical person like Johnny, or it might be someone totally different, a classmate, a family member, a neighbor, a colleague. What would it be like if God unexpectedly sat that person at your table for you to have a meal with, for you to journey and understand life together. Where God unexpectedly says, count this person in, bless them, love them. We're going to look into Acts chapter nine tonight. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to Acts chapter nine and we're going to meet this character called Ananias and Bible doesn't tell us too much about him, but what it does in these passages tell us is that Ananias embraces a difficult man to love in the Christian community. This guy's name is Saul. And Saul was a difficult man to love. He later became known as Paul, Paul the Apostle. It's the same guy, different name and what we're going to find out from Ananias as much as for ourselves is this, that God's love continually seeks to expand the boundary markers to include all people into his kingdom. And authentic Christian community, family, should be doing that as well, expanding the boundary markers. For God to so love the world, cosmos, and everyone and everything within it. God's love begins by counting people in. People might count themselves out, but God's love starts by counting them in and we should as well. And it happens naturally as we encounter the loving grace of, of Jesus, of God through Jesus, with Jesus, and we're transformed by the, his Holy Spirit within us. And we, we overflow freely with a love that's, that we've, we've come to taste of and see and know that he is good and, and that's lived out and demonstrated within our lives out of the overflow. And this is the healthy community where it makes it possible for me to genuinely embrace someone like a Johnny as a brother and joyously respond to his question of inclusion. Come on, Johnny, you're part of the family. We count you in. It's a spot for you at the Lord's table. Will you count yourself in? See, God's advancing kingdom seeks to include broken people like, like Johnny, like me, like you. God's love indeed does change everything. I love him Paul again, this guy whose life's transformed, we're going to look at that in a minute, but in Galatians chapter three, verse twenty eight, he says there there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, outlaw biking or middle aged white man doesn't actually say that, but for you are all one community in Christ. Paul isn't saying that there aren't distinctions. Only those distinctions of status or race or or gender, they don't matter one bit in God's family. What matters is Jesus. It's his presence that enables us to receive one another as family, embrace a wounded world with love. And all the biblical images, they're this setting, like I said before, of table, of family, of body, of gathering temple together, God's love would be demonstrated through his people. But what would it really be like if God unexpectedly seated someone at your table and said, count them in? Count them in. Because this is what happens to Ananias in this, this, uh, this guy who is asked to reach out to Saul, who turned from prosecutor to passionate follower of Jesus in God's community. Let me set the scene just a little bit so you understand what's happening in this passage that we're going to read from in Acts chapter 9. Um, the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he knows what it's really like later on. He, he, he knows the, the real deal of being included in a church community within the loving family of people. Because once he experiences God's grace, his life starts to get transformed. But it's also transformed by the welcoming of him in to the family. And this was not going to be a likely occurrence. You see, it wasn't a likely occurrence because uh, Saul, before he was known as Paul, had severely persecuted the very people that now embraced him as a brother in Christ. God's love did change everything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses nine and 10, it says, for I, this is Paul, Saul, same guy, talking. He says, I am the least of all the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I was persecuted, I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. So in the early days of the church, Saul is going around murderously chasing these early church. Followers, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus. This, what was seen by the, the Jewish religious leaders and devout followers as a sect, as, as people going the wrong way. They're now talking about Jesus more than they're talking about Moses. They're talking about Jesus and with the freedom he brings more than they're talking about the law. He's now, and they are trying to stamp it out. And Saul is right at the top of the tree of making this happen. He is a devout, zealous lover of God and hater of Jesus. And a hater of the people of Jesus. And he is going around murderously looking for ways in which to take them and lock them up. In fact, you can read about a time in Acts chapter 7 and Acts chapter uh, where where there's, um, yeah, Acts chapter 7 where, where Stephen. Uh, one of the disciples is there and he's, he's, he's about to get uh, punished because he's talking about Jesus. He's preaching Jesus to the, to the community of Jews and the, the Jews are there and they stand around and, and they take their cloaks off and, and they pick up stones to stone him to death and guess whose feet they put those cloaks at? Saul's. And it says that Saul approved of the murder of Stephen as they stoned him to death. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it records, Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Saul was passionate about stamping out these new Jesus followers. And as the church scattered under that persecution, as they fled Jerusalem and and tried to find safe haven in the, 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 the surrounding areas, Saul followed in hot pursuit. I'm going to read this out in the message version. That's what's going to be up on your screens. You can follow along in any other version you so choose to, but I like the way that it says it. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. He went to the chief priests and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that if he found anyone there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. So he set off. When he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul. Saul, why are you out to get me? He said, who are you, master? I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city, and in the city, you'll be told what to do next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but they couldn't see anyone, and while Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind, They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. He continued blind for three days. He ate nothing, drank nothing. Let's pause just for a moment (laughs) because you're about to enter the scene with a new character. That's Saul. He's the one that's chasing everybody, right? He's the one that's out to persecute. He's the one that's there hunting down. He he wants to take the followers of Jesus and lock them up and put them away. Okay, in uh, in my... uh, still probably my lifetime. It's probably your lifetime in some countries around the world. This is still happening. Okay? There's, there's been communist countries around the world that have sought to look for followers of Jesus and take them and imprison them until they deny Jesus. To kill them, to disrupt, to destroy. This is Saul's job. This is what he is trying to do. And we're about to meet another character named Ananias. Just put yourself before we read about him in Ananias' shoes as he enters this story. Maybe he was friends with Stephen. I don't know. I'm making that up. But I reckon everyone would have heard about what happened to Stephen. If you were a follower of Jesus, you would have quickly understood what happened to Stephen. Not only that, it might have been your auntie. It might have been your uncle. It might have been your brother. It might have been your friend. Because there's people being locked up left, right and center. He's gone, maybe he's fled to Damascus, maybe that's where he started, I don't know. Maybe he's heard about this good news of Jesus because of others who have fled and come and he's turned to Jesus. But either way, he's now a follower of Jesus and the writing is on the wall because he hears of the fact that Saul is on his way to Damascus with orders to be able to round up and put in prison anyone who's a follower of Jesus. Imagines how he's feeling. So how would you, Ananias, feel about welcoming Saul into the intimacy of your dinner table with the ones you love? <laughs> it's like an Afghani Christian sitting down the meal with a Taliban. Let's read on. Verse 10 through 19. There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. Here he is. The master spoke to him in a vision. Ananias yes master can you hear the difference can you go back up flip back up to those verses in 1 through to 9 and Saul gets knocked down by the blinding light and hears this voice Saul, Saul why are you out to get me who are you master Saul's smart enough to know that he is in a spiritual reality that is more real than the reality of sitting on his donkey right He's got knocked off when he's in the blinding light and he hears this voice. And so he's smart enough to recognize this person is over him, our master. But who are you, master? Now, flip back down to verses 10 and it says, uh, the, uh, The master, Jesus, spoke to Ananias and says, Ananias? It's cool, Jesus knows his name. He's like, Oh, I've heard this voice before. Yes, master? Not who are you? "Yes, master." He answered, "Get up and go over to Strait Avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. What? Would you be saying, Jesus? He's there praying. Oh, that doesn't give me a lot of comfort. He's a devout Jew. He's blind. Of course he's praying. God, give me my eyesight back. God, help me. He's praying. Not praying to Jesus. Not yet. He's just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Oh, great. Is there another Ananias in Damascus? Because surely you don't mean me, Master. <laughs> Ananias protested. Master, you can't be serious. Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priest to give him a license to do the same to us. But the master said, don't argue, go. I've picked him as my personal representative to the non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for. The hard suffering that goes with this job. that's more like it says Ananias no (laughs) so Ananias went out and found the house placed his hands on blind Saul and said brother Saul the master sent me the same Jesus you saw on your way here he sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit and no sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes he could see again He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. We don't know a lot about Ananias. I can tell you this, he knew how to listen to God's voice and how to respond. He knew the voice of his master. It wasn't a surprising voice. This guy knew how to trust and obey. He'd, he'd heard the voice of Jesus many times before. He's a, a follower of Jesus. He, he knows what that voice sounds like. He's tuned in with what God is wanting to do and was prepared to faithfully obey. Okay, so he has a little bit of an argument there with God because I, you, know, you can't be serious. But like so many extraordinary feats that are all through scripture all through the bible it took an act of obedience to release a love that would transform the world every call on your life from god will also send you into the world on his mission Every call on your life from God will also send you into the world on mission. Discipleship, becoming a disciple, is not about how much you can grow and be fed. The act of us discipling you and you discipling others is not about feeding you until you are full. It's about understanding, so tomorrow, how are you going to tell somebody about Jesus? That's being a disciple. That's what discipling looks like. We like, to, we like to progress the train down the road. You know, well, you best first get your ducks lined up. You best first grow in this. You best do this. You best grow in that. You best at that. And Jesus, I think the whole time is saying, would you just get out there? There's a whole bunch of people in your world that don't yet know me. There's a whole bunch of people I love that haven't experienced my love yet. Will you love them? Every call on your life from God will send you into the world on his mission. That's what you sign up for. You don't sign up for the eternal ticket. That's a byproduct of beauty and of outrageous love and grace. But you sign up for the battle here and now. You sign up to go into the world, and the call for Ananias to go and to embrace Saul into God's community began a release of love that would later transform the world. Saul, Saul the terrorist, becomes Paul the apostle, the greatest evangelist. Ananias is understandably reluctant. The go to his mission required trust in God because it appeared ridiculously dangerous everyone you saw was there to imprison other you know Christians followers of Jesus and just because God tells Ananias Paul is praying like I said that doesn't mean that you know he's he's praying a Jew. doesn't make him feel any, he's a devout Jew maybe Saul was just stroking up his religious fervor so he can get out there and attack some more Christians I wonder how many times God has been speaking to us to go and love somebody and we've said that sounds ridiculously dangerous. That couldn't be the voice of my master. That couldn't be the voice of my master. Listen to the language that's used. Ananias reaches out to Saul and he's not reluctant at all when he gets there. Brother Saul... Welcome to the family. Wow. Wow, can you imagine? This guy's locked up maybe members of your family, certainly some friends. He's, he's stood by and given his agreeance to the killing of someone you knew and, and, and now here the expectation is to go and embrace him and call him brother and welcome him into the family. Why? Because God counts everyone in and it's up to them as to whether they will count themselves in. And he wants us to do the same, to count people in. What kind of love would enable Ananias to embrace Saul, his his persecutor as a brother, could only be a love from God that changes everything, right? A love that you've encountered, a love that you've experienced, a love that you know is the sort of love that can take us to people that we find hard to love. Think about it from Paul's point of view. I mean, this is why he can write to the Corinthians about just how how much I'm really not to be called an apostle. Why? Because he's about to experience the love of someone that just a day ago he hated. Three days ago he wanted to murder. Four days ago he was throwing in prison. He's the guy that here is just kind of really the terrorist wanting to break down, pull apart and destroy the church and the name of Jesus as he goes. And all of a sudden, this person he's hated, this person he's looked to persecute and throw into prison, has his arms wrapped around him, praying for him as a brother, welcoming into family, laying his hands on his eyes and he receives a miracle and his sight's brought back. I imagine this vulnerable moment when you're blind and you're disgusted by the person who's come and they receive you like a brother. What power is that kind of love? Do you know that's the the love Jesus had for every one of us, the broken people we are. That's Jesus' loving embrace towards you and me as much as it was Ananias towards Saul. Can you hear his voice that says, Come on, Saul. Come on, Johnny. You're invited to sit around the table like family. I'm counting you in. Will you count yourself in? I'm counting you in. See, God's love changes everything. Do you see how God's love turns everything upside down? Saul was blinded by light, but then becomes a light to the Gentiles with the message of Jesus. Saul went to lay violent hands on the Christians, but the Christians laid loving hands on him. Saul went to take hold of Christians, but Christ took hold of Saul. Saul went to break the body of Jesus, but then finds he's been taken up into the body of Christ, baptized and breaking of bread with the body of Christ as an unexpected guest at the table. Can you imagine the day he now has his sight back? He's been welcomed the family and Ananias kind of walks home with Saul and the others who are following. Hey, honey, I bought someone for dinner. What? <laughs> you know, you can imagine, can't you? It'd just be crazy. Saul was the most unexpected guest at the table. It's a wild, strange, awkward most of the disciples back in Jerusalem were still just so afraid of Saul. When he, when he had had his conversion moment and, and as he uh, would started to, to speak and to teach and as this revelation that he'd had and the encounter with Jesus started to take him in a different direction, it tells us in Acts 9 a little bit later on that the, 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 the Christians back in Jerusalem are like, what the heck, no way. Don't welcome him back here. We've seen what he's done. but he'd moved from persecuted to passionate follower of Jesus and it took godly people like Ananias to embrace Saul into the community, to restore him, to resend Saul back into the world to do the same for others. Godly love freely releases more love to grow healthy community, that's what it does. See, God's love's always looking to expand the boundary markers to include everyone. And what does this have to do with us? Great story, Pastor John. Nice. Illustrated the Bible well, thank you. But what has this got to do with my life? Well, you could say, well, you don't know the people I've got to deal with. You don't know the people I have to live with. You don't know the people I work with. <laughs> Care for that person? Love that person? You just don't understand, John, the reality of the situation. You're asking me to embrace someone that I can't stand? Well, it's almost like you're asking me to forgive them. Nope, asking to forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. I was listening to David Wagner this week. He gave us a call. He's a prophet of a friend of the house here and he was just encouraging us. And He had the privilege of sitting with his mum for the last two weeks of her life earlier this year. And he noticed his mum's hands have always been quite arthritic and bent and broken up and stuff like that, but he only just found out in those last couple of weeks that that was because his dad, who didn't live with them, who he never grew up with, had beaten her hands so many times and broken her hands and fingers so many times that... That's why she suffered such arthritis. And he's like, mom, why why on earth didn't you tell me this earlier? She goes, well, what good would it have done for you in your relationship with your dad? He says, well, how 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 do you forgive like that? She says, we need to learn to love people more than they can hurt us. Wow. We need to learn to love people more than they can hurt us? Jesus takes it one step further Hebrews 8 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. (laughs) Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he remembers your sin no more? I don't know if you've spent enough time sniffing that. That's a cesspool of sin. Man alive. We've all got it. Did you come truly thankful to the table tonight that he remembers it no more? He not only forgives, he forgets, he places it as far as the east is from the west. He's not recalling it against you any longer. And the expectation is that if he's done that for you, you can do it for others. You can do it for others. Yes, it's hard. It's impossible without him. But in him, all things are possible. The gospel says there's a greater reality in Jesus that changes everything, a reality that will enable you to freely love and embrace your enemies, just like Ananias did. Trust God, listen and obey is what we see modeled by Ananias. And if you don't have a healthy love for someone that you need to love, try getting God's perspective on them. It's not easy, but you can try it. We had a neighbor, and if, if you're watching neighbors, listening in, online, because I invite them to. Uh, it's not you, it's, these are neighbors from a long time ago, not even the same street, okay, different neighborhood. We had a neighbor, she used to not like us at all. She used to get stuff like, get the dog poo and put it on our front doormat with a note saying, if you don't contain your dog, uh, I'm, I'm gonna kill it, and stuff like that, you know. We try to wave to her and she'd just kind of look the other way, try to engage her in conversation, she'd slam the door. I thought, how's this going to be? Like, I had some suggestions of what I could do and none of them were godly. And finally, God popped one in my head and he said, Why don't you pray for her? And so I'm like, Yeah, I can pray for her because I don't, I don't want to talk to her, but I can pray for her. So, every time I mow my lawn and went to her house direction, I would pray a blessing on her. I just pray for her and I bless her and I bless her and I bless her. And the first few times I'd turn the corner and come back the other way and go, I don't know if I really do, God. That's just crazy. I like those neighbors way more than that neighbor. I'd turn again and I'd mow the street going, God bless her, just bless her. (laughs) Something happened in me, something happened in her. There was a reconciliation. I'd ask for forgiveness for any way we might have offended her or hurt her. Would she forgive us? She ended up becoming, you know, she, bought, she bought my first son the teddy bear he loved the most. There was something unique, she bought gifts, she came over, we talked, there was, there was reconciliation. I can't tell you, it was, I didn't love her. I had to have my heart transformed. I had to see her how God started to see her and I could only do this, as I started to pray for her as I started to actually bless her. See, when God becomes the center of your life, your worldview changes to get in line with his voice. That's, Ananias is listening. Yes, master, I know that voice. Ananias, yes, master. And the moment from which you know your identity as a loved son or daughter of God, you can finally begin to freely release love to other people. And when your life is centered on God and you know his love for you, then you're able to love others without placing stipulations. There's no expectations on how or should they should or shouldn't react to your love. Your identity isn't destroyed if people don't affirm or show affection to you because your primary identity comes from the Father because you've experienced the love of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. And when you and I, we know that love, we can center and we can care for people And we can have an abundance of love that goes out regardless of the outcome. Ananias knew his identity and the overflow of God's love in his life. He's able to embrace Saul, his persecutor, like a brother. Listened, trusted, and obeyed. Because Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it, he says. Live out this God-created identity, the way of our Father lives towards us generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so be kind. Jesus never mixed his words, did he? I love that Ananias actually went to a physical location. Jesus knew who he wanted to reach with his love. He chose someone who he knew would listen, who was always listening to his voice. That's why Ananias got the call up. I don't think he was bigger, stronger, braver. I read nothing that in the story. Only thing I can pinpoint to is he knew the voice of the master. Does God have your attention? Is your ear inclined to the master's voice? So that he could be selling you, hey, go love that person. What? That person? (laughs) That's ridiculous. That looks dangerous. Scary. Kind of like, mm-mm. But I know that's your voice. And he also knew that with a little bit of coming around, Ananias would be the one to embrace Saul. Go to your persecutor, Saul, he's on Straight Street in the house of Judas. Ananias didn't stop and wait for the warm fuzzies. Oh, now I love him. I love the fact that it was an address, a real place, a real location. Would you be brave enough now to open your ear, to listen to Jesus, to the master, and ask him, who do you want me to go to? What's the address? Who's your soul? Where's your straight street? Where's the street in Brisbane? Maybe it's the one you live in. That'd make sense when he said, love your neighbor. Maybe actually mention neighbor. Save that for another week. Powerful to think if we go back around to think of what we took at the beginning with communion, to think about, has enough work been done in me that I can truly love people who are hard to love? I think for me, like it's a work in progress, but the more I do it, you know what? It's kind of like the easier it gets. The more you stretch to reach out to, to show care, concern, love, to welcome his brothers because Jesus counts everyone in. It's up to them where they want to count themselves in. So I'm wondering if right now you might just close your eyes. Let's do some business with Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. We need you to release the love in our lives to those whom we've become hard-hearted towards, that we've judged. Maybe we've judged them just by the cover, what they wear, what they look like, what they sound like. But you count everyone in. Maybe we haven't extended forgiveness Maybe we haven't forgot. Maybe we keep playing it around like a broken record. We need to learn to love people more more than they can hurt us. We need to love people more than they can hurt us. Jesus, just increase the understanding of our true identity in you. And we could love without an expectation. We could just love freely. We could give it away. God, would you grow this church, family, here, River Life, with people that all look different, come from different walks and places and understandings, And journey with us that we would become a better people to understand that in you, we're one. There is no status. The difference is they're not deficiencies. Grow in us a greater love. I pray that through this time in your word together over the coming weeks, we would experience the power of your love, But we really, really, really pray the people in our communities, our workplaces, our neighbours, our households, our friends and family would experience the power of your love through us. Strengthen us, embolden us. Let us hear your voice and be obedient to embrace even our enemies, those even we're scared to love we ask it in jesus name amen thanks for listening to this river life podcast make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content if this podcast has raised any questions for you contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through facebook and instagram thanks for listening